Hey, welcome to uh, Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. And I'm Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yep. Um, Ryan, the college football postseason stinks. Um, conference play is rapidly losing its luster. I didn't really like watching the sport in 2020, at least not at the top of it. Um, how do we fix this? Well, I think that's a question we're going to answer probably a thousand different ways from mm-hmm. the course of this podcast, uh, if we're lucky enough to have that many chances. Yeah. Um, what we're going to talk about today is one method we have been thinking about lately. Um, what if college football was modeled like European soccer? Mm-hmm. Um, I know you had a really great article on your Outside Zone newsletter uh, talking about a college football champions league. Um, so we're going to talk about that. And I also borrowed an idea from Stuart Mandel of The Athletic to kind of talk about uh, a Premier League system of relegation and promotion that I'm sure a lot of people have thought about at different times, college football fans. It's uh, yeah. something we've all revisited, I think, in our brains. Yeah, Bill, Bill Connolly stands out to me as someone who's sort of led the uh, the charge on on pushing for this and uh, has done a, done a good job with it over the last couple of years. Right, and uh, uh, if any of our listeners, I'm sure uh, many of us are not necessarily avid soccer fans, mm-hmm. um, The English system, at least for soccer, is what that looks like. Uh, You have a Premier League at the top, um, followed by, I think, a series of nine other leagues. Remember correctly, it's ten leagues in England. That sounds right. um, That each have between 20 and 26 teams um, that compete throughout the season. uh, And then at the end of it, you have a promotion relegation system. So the top teams in League Two, for example, would move up to the top league uh, if they have a chance to beat those teams, the bottom of League One. Um, And so it kind of keeps a competitive balance where... A team like, um, say, a team like Florida State in college football, right, which mm-hmm. has now been bad for uh, over half a decade, yeah, um, cannot keep resting on its laurels and staying, getting collecting huge checks for very little result for having bad or mediocre teams. Uh, it encourages you to stay competitive every year, and more importantly, it gives uh, smaller teams, uh, Cincinnati, BYU, yeah. a chance to move up and play at a higher level and recruit higher level players. It truly does give everybody a chance at the national championship, right? Yeah, yeah. This is sort of, I mean, if you win enough, then you know it's it's sort of the the idea of like college football or sports being a meritocracy, where if you win enough, you can you can be the champion, you can be at the top level, you can compete for for the uh, whatever the highest trophy is, and the uh, the promotion and relegation system in you know English soccer specifically is the example. Uh, serves to do that you know you can if you either invest enough coach well enough you know find good enough players then you can move up the ranks and eventually sort of be at that top level I mean just in in recent years it seems like new teams are sort of joining the fold in the Premier League and and being competitive right away and you know it's not just like Chelsea and and Man United and teams like that anymore there are there are other teams competing and it, it seems like there's there's really not a uh not a better candidate for that kind of thing than college football because of how many teams are in it, how many divisions there are, you know, all these, uh, all these different, all these different factors that sort of match up pretty well with the English system, at least in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get into it. So I kind of mentioned at the top that I uh, borrowed or stole, everyone phrase this mm-hmm. idea from uh, Stuart Mandel yeah, of The Athletic at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I robbed uh, Stu. Uh, it's a good buddy of mine. I call him Stu. Most yeah. of you guys might know him yeah. as Mr. Mandel. <laughs> yeah, that's what I know him as, Mr. Right. Mandel. Right, Howie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to put a link to his article in the show notes in this episode. Um, but just to kind of give a, a background on his premise, right? Um, the reason Stu approached this is from his discussion of uh, kind of a college ball realignment. Um, 
college football suffers from a financial inefficiency. So despite the fact that it is the second most watched sport in America behind the NFL by, by a fairly wide margin, um, it lags significantly beho- significantly far behind the NBA in terms of revenue created off TV rights. Um, and Stu posited, and I tend to agree with this, the reason that is is that college football's rights are not sold as an entire bundle, right? Yeah. Uh, ESPN and CBS and Fox are not bidding on the right to air all of college football. They're yeah, bidding the on... The conference ties. Yes, yeah. exactly. Just a conference, just the AAC, just the ACC, just a piecemeal here and there. You can grab a few, leave the others, um, which does create some of the disparity we have in college football, right? That's why um, Alabama, <laughs> for many reasons, has a much richer athletic department than Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, it also does leave money on the table for everyone involved, though. Um, so really what this is going to do is kind of uh, create one massive system where everyone sells their rights together um, to create a more competitive college football and a more financially wealthy college football. Yeah. Um, one of the underlying principles here we have to understand is that kind of just implicitly, right, we all know that in college football, not every team has a chance to win a national championship as currently constructed. Mm-hmm. We can all pretend or wish that uh, G5 teams were given a shot in the playoff, that uh, even a school like you know Iowa State or Kansas State could actually sustain winning long enough to win a title. Um, and, and some of those lower-level P5 programs or higher-level G5 programs um, have had blips or, or, or even streaks for three, four years at a time where they consistently play at a very high enough level that uh, they can beat the top level of college football. That does yeah. happen on occasion. And, I mean, you, you, you think about it, when was the last time that someone sort of broke through the power structure and won a national championship? I mean, Clemson is the only answer. Yeah, Clemson, who rose up the ranks and now, now is the power structure. Mm-hmm. You could go back to maybe 2010 with Auburn and, and sure. Cam not being a, a power in the sense that, like, Alabama is. Yeah, but or still, early, early Oregon under Chip Kelly is yeah, the other one example. Yeah, no, non-traditional no, schools. And never quite got to that, uh, that championship, I guess. Um, You'd probably have to go back to like the '80s, right? With like BYU in 1984, things like that. Um, Pony Express, SMU. Yeah, I think, it's few and far between. I think Georgia Tech had one in there, and it, it seems like at this point there's not really. And this is something that I, I have bumped up against both in just talking about the sport and in, in writing about it is that it feels sort of like we're locked in right now. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like there's not a ton of room to go from here, where all of the teams at the top are spending so much money and vast amounts of money. And are recruiting at, I mean, Alabama's landing the top recruiting class ever, like every year, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. constantly, this is the kind of, it's it's like if every single class was that last Urban Meyer Florida class where they just have all of these five stars in there and, you know, record setting, record setting classes and now. And not just Alabama, it concentrates yeah. overall, right? So it becomes so that only uh, 10 teams, you know, that's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, Georgia, the teams we all know. Yeah. Those teams collect, uh over half of like the top 100 players in the country every single year now. And it's it's much harder to find gems now because you can just watch tape of anybody. You you know, you you can just right. if if there's a running back that Ohio State, you know, Ohio State's looking for a running back sees that Iowa State has a guy committed from Cleveland and thinks, "Well, hey, Iowa State always has a good running back. Let's take a look at this kid. He's a low 3-star. Suddenly he's a high 4-star because Ohio yeah. State's looking at him and the services take another look at him. They're like, oh, shit, we missed on this guy. He's right. he's really good. It's really hard to get those guys now. And that's why you see more blowouts in college football every year, too, and more predictable yeah. results. Now, college football has always been dominated by a handful of top teams. Those teams change, but the structure never changes. Um, but more than ever, 
we see Alabama coasting through an SEC schedule that has a ton of talent on it. We yeah. see Ohio State blowing out every team in the Big Ten most years. Uh, Clemson, I mean, my God, the ACC looks like a, an FCS league some years with what Clemson does to them. Yeah. Um, it, it's become so predictable. And, and how do you prevent that from happening? How do you get rid of some of the, you know, I think a lot of fans, myself included, feel that the biggest strength of college football as a sport used to be that the regular season was the best in any sport. Mm-hmm. And it still is, I think, in many ways. Um, because every single week, uh, a loss could derail you, right? Yeah. Or, or, or you had to uh, go on the road to some wonky environment in Spokane, Washington for a chance to win, or Pullman, Washington, I should say, with a chance to yeah. win. Um, and, and it's not easy to do. So um, how do we get to that point where we're experiencing competitive play every single week, where the top teams don't have a huge talent advantage against the rest of their schedule, um, where we really do see the highest level of college football played every single week without uh, SOCON Saturdays allowing teams to get virtual bye weeks every yeah. single time. Um, what that looks like is creating a Premier League situation. Okay. Right? So, um, I've separated the FBS and the top level of FCS programs into six tiers. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go through all of them, so I have to bore you guys to tiers with my full roster of teams. Uh, but here's the brief summary for how you can qualify for these top six leagues. Yeah. Uh, be an FBS program, uh, one of the 130 that mm-hmm. are in the FBS, um, and or make one of the four FCS playoffs from 2016 to 2019. Yep. That gives us 183 total teams. Uh, and then because I wanted a round number, I added in Jackson State because who doesn't love Deion Sanders? Yeah, of course. Right. The guy who tried to steal all of his stuff probably probably doesn't love Deion Sanders. <laughs> or maybe he really loves Deion Sanders. I think that's what it is. We yeah. love the Bernie Madoff of college football. Mm-hmm. Um, so the top two tiers feature 32 teams each. The remaining four each feature 30 teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not familiar with English soccer leagues like we touched on, they follow a promotion relegation system. That means programs succeed and win in the lower level leagues can move up and play a more competitive and talented leagues. A school like App State that has been consistently excellent since it entered FBS has been, uh, I'm sorry, would not be stuck in, in the Sun Belt. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati would not be stuck in the AAC despite, you know, winning 10 games, something like, you know, eight of the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have a chance to play for the right to be with the big dogs. This would also, in those lower level conferences, eliminate a lot of the dead weight. I mean, yes. in the Sun Belt specifically, you, you mentioned with Appalachian State, no longer is Appalachian State playing ULM. You know, ULM's, ULM's dropping We love right Terry away. Bowden in this podcast. Yeah, Let's and, bring it back and so time. you're getting high level. The MAC is, is, is an even better example because, you know, you would have a team like... Um, I'll say Ball State, right? Ball State drops out, North Dakota State jumps in. Something like that, right? Suddenly the MAC is a much higher caliber conference just because of this. And, you know, it's not just that the power is being funneled to the top. It's, it's making it more well-rounded overall because teams in the FCS that probably should be at the next level are coming up to the next level, whereas teams in the, the FBS that stink and don't, try to win and you know don't really seem to to make any sort of effort whatsoever are suddenly dropping down because hey you got to try if you want to stay up if you want to if you want to make the big money you have to spend it you have to try and by centralizing the tv rights deals it also offers more funding to those uh fcs programs Mm -hmm. those lower level programs so um the schools that you know maybe in akron can you know currently cry poor and can't compete with other g5 programs like cincinnati or something like that if they can get a good team together and win that's not the case. You're going to yeah. get more money. You're going to get more funding. You're going to have a chance for better facilities and, and, and you know better equipment and better training, better coaching staffs. Um, that's all going to be open to you. Yeah. Whereas right now, if you win, if you win big at Akron, what do you get? Your coach leaves. Mm-hmm. That's what you get. You don't get more money. 
Right. You you maybe you get bowl game revenue. Maybe you Great. get yeah. You know you get to go down to Birmingham. Congratulations. Yeah. You, you get a bigger you know pull at the gate because there were more fans going to your games. Maybe I guess. Yeah. But, if they're not all watching Ohio State games yeah. on Saturday. But what what do you you don't really get anything from from winning. There's not really a reward for winning other than winning at that at that level. Whereas in the top leagues, the you know presumably and obviously this isn't necessarily the case as you mentioned for the Iowa States of the world, but presumably at the top leagues, if you invest enough and you win enough then you will have a championship and you Mm -hmm. will make more money and you know people will recognize your school more and you'll pull in you'll pull in a bigger audience but that doesn't really exist at the g5 or even the fcs levels right and the other side of this um away from talking about letting the best g5 teams go up a level um the worst p5 teams that are even whether it's a blue blood like florida state or tennessee that have been mediocre or bad for years years in a row bye-bye they can fall down yeah uh, teams like Kansas or Illinois, they're just there to collect a check and really not try to win football games. Mm-hmm. That check's getting smaller. You have to actually invest your, your what you're getting from the from the TV rights, what you're getting yeah. from the conference. Um, you have to try to reinvest to actually win football games or else you don't get to keep being rich, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, for my inaugural season, uh, I'm selecting the Premier League teams um, pretty much based as closely as possible to Bill Connolly's preseason SP Plus rankings. Yeah. Um, just to start with kind of a, a base, we have a geography yeah. consideration in mind and, too. And we'll use these kind of rankings a lot just because it's a, it's a, you know, a quick and fast way to sort of acknowledge quality. It's not necessarily definitive. Obviously these are preseason rankings, but it's a, it's an easy way to, to group teams. Yeah. And for those of you guys who are not familiar with Bill Connolly, I can't imagine spending our listeners here, but uh, Bill, yeah, that's sicko shit. If you don't, <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill uh, runs SP plus, which is a analytics system. Um, during the season, uh, it kind of evaluates uh, opponent and tempo-adjusted performance. Mm-hmm. Um, in his preseason rankings, he takes into account uh, your returning production from the previous season, your recent recruiting rankings. Um, I believe that's primarily the two factors, right? Yeah. Uh, and he, he gives you a weighted score based on how many points you would score per game against the average opponent, what your winning margin would be. Yeah. Um, so it's just a kind of a way to qualitatively rank teams as compared to each other. Uh, it's very useful, uh, I think, in gambling, among other yes. things. Yeah. Um, so, like I was saying, um, I, I'm pretty much hewing as close as I can to those preseason SP Plus rankings. Uh, and then all G5 champions in the 2020 season are guaranteed a spot in the second level, yep. uh, with the remaining selections being at large. Um, so, the second level uh, is equivalent of the English Championship League. The third is the equivalent of League One, uh, and so on. And this so is your Minnesotas, teams like that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it's interesting you say Minnesota, because they're actually uh, one of the top teams in League Two. Okay. Well. Uh, there you go. Uh, who, so give give me give me an example then. Who would be who would be a champion's quality? Okay, so let's talk that? about yeah. That. So um, the Premier League is divided into four regionally based divisions. Mm-hmm. So your regular season schedule, you're going to play the other seven teams in your own division. You're going to play one game against each team from the other divisions in your tier or your league. Yep. You're going to play one protected rivalry game against a team from any other level. So if Michigan drops down to level two or level three, they still play Ohio State every mm-hmm. year. Uh, you know, West Virginia, Pitt, etc. Um, and one game against a program in the tier below you. So if you're okay. tier one, you play tier two, tier two, tier three, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, the bottom tier, uh, I don't have a solution. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think this through. <laughs> bottom tier plays a non-league team. Yeah, the bottom tier plays a high school team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, good luck, IMG Academy. Yeah. Um, so here are my divisions, what they look like for this upcoming 2021 season. In the West Division, this is alphabetical, by the way. We're okay. not going by uh, quality. Yeah. Uh, in the West, you would start with Arizona State, you have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Oregon, UCLA, 
USC, Utah, and Washington. Yeah. So this is a heavily Pac-12 influence league, obviously, uh, with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State coming up with the Big 12. Um, in the South Division, uh, it's led by Alabama, followed by Auburn, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, TCU, Texas, and Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. We are finally making Texas and A&M play each other again. Yeah. It's exciting. TCU is just happy to be here. That's right. <laughs> Gary Patterson's going to ride out yeah, that one last uh, one Pat- last job before he goes into retirement. Right? Gary Patterson is just like, no, don't look too close at what's going on here. We're Man, fine. he is mailing it in, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Salute <laughs> to him for just collecting a few checks on the Gary, way out the door. Gary Patterson, hire an offensive coordinator challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I love Gary Patterson just deciding. He's like, eh, they're already going to build the statue anyway. I might as well have some fun and just yeah. see, see how bad I can get where they tell me to leave. This man is never going to change his defense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, out east, we are finally going to make Clemson play a real football schedule. Okay. Uh, Clemson is in a division with Florida, uh, Maryland, our great opponent. Uh, Maryland? Maryland made it. Oh, uh, my God. Maryland is like uh, in the low 30s in Bill's SP Plus rankings. Ooh. We love Talia. Talk about low, don't we? We yeah. love them, folks. Uh, we have Clemson, Florida, Maryland, Miami, North Carolina, Penn State, Virginia Tech, and West Virginia. That's a fun one. That's really fun. I yeah, think, right? I like that. Um, in the Midwest Division, we have Indiana, Iowa, Iowa State, Michigan, Nebraska made the cut Ooh. with Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Okay. All right. So, at the end of the season, the top two teams in each division, uh, determined by round-robin division play, make an eight-team playoff to determine a national champion. Mm-hmm. Every other division has a four-team playoff to determine the division champion. The four playoff qualifiers and lower tiers automatically move up to replace the bottom team in each division at the tier above them. Okay. The four teams that finish second in their division in lower league play will play uh, the four teams that finish second to last in each division and the upper league to create four relegation bowls. Okay. So you could have a Cincinnati, maybe Cincinnati finishes second, right? Let's say um, a Pitt, right, finishes second. And West Virginia finishes second to last. You have a backyard brawl to determine who gets to move up, make more money, yeah. and who has to stay down at okay. the lower level. Um, so some of the top teams in the second tier, I'm not, I don't have a full list here, but just a handful of them are Cincinnati, uh, Louisiana, love the Rage Occasions. Yes. Uh, we love Minnesota. Uh, we have App State. We have Coastal, UCF, Boise State, Purdue, Arkansas, Liberty, Pitt, yeah. Like so that. this is the league for me, is what you're saying. That is the league for you. I imagine you'd become a huge Champion League fan. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't help yourself. Um, but really, some of these uh, Power 5 programs that do kind of coast off their league reputation will be forced to play actual good football teams yeah. and not get their four wins a year from playing Bowling yeah. Green. Pitt doesn't want to play Cincinnati. I'll, no, they don't. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Pitt does not want to play Cincinnati. Hang on. Are you telling me Mark Whipple is not the offensive mind to take on Luke Fickle? No. I think Luke Fickle would murder Mark. Whipple. I think that Luke Fickle would run across the field and stab him in the heart. <laughs> well, he'll be running across the field at the same time as Mark Whipple's players, which is how they signal in plays, because yeah. he thinks it's 1981. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> Haven't watched a pit game in probably four years. I mean, oh, you're your missing out. It. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't sound like I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love pit football. I ironically love watching. I, I, love the, uh, I love the quarter's defense. I wish that he would hire, uh, like Gary Patterson, I wish that he would hire an offensive coordinator because I love the quarter's <laughs> he never defense. Will. No, he hates it. He is the worst parts of Mark D'Antonio and Jim Tressel yeah. um, with none of the buying of recruits. Um, with none of the actually having a good defense. Yeah. Uh, with none of the... I mean, he has a good defensive line because Charlie Partridge is one of the five best D-line coaches in America. And uh, that's been Pat's whole team. Yeah. Uh, 
I guess I haven't put this on record yet in the podcast. I am a huge Pat Narduzzi hater. <laughs> Despise him. I hate his guts. Yeah. I think that he needs to have his own version of the 2016 Michigan State class that completely crippled Mark D'Antonio because he just he exclusively got guys that got kicked out of high school. He just signed four stars that got kicked out of high school. We love right? that, yeah. Um, which is a really powerful way to build your class and, and uh, ultimately didn't end up great for him. I think we should make Pat Narduzzi coach Youngstown State okay. and never let him leave the Youngstown City proper. Yeah. Ever again. Yeah. He should be locked away like uh, like Hercules and Sam. Lock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Pat Narduzzi running for mayor of Youngstown. He's he's gonna bring the factories back. Uh, I heard you paint houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, that's my concept. Basically, um, what you're gonna have week to week is you are gonna have um, the top teams in college football playing and beating up on each other. Yep. You're gonna have true. Uh, equivalent schedules. Uh, you're going to have standardization of schedules across top teams. Um, no more patsies. No more uh, weak teams uh, giving easy wins to an opponent. Um, you have to actually play and win your games against other top teams. So yeah. uh, if you're a coach that is a great recruiter and has a decided schematic disadvantage in everything you do, uh, mm-hmm. Kirby Smart, for example, if you were Kirby Smart, <laughs> yeah. uh, you would have to learn to actually win football games without just having the best players in the field in all but one game a year. He wouldn't. He would just go 8-4. and four every That's year. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so And still land the number three class somehow. <laughs> somehow, yeah. Somehow. We, we don't know how. Somehow in strong quotations. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and if you're... Uh, we see programs like Clemson and Oklahoma have beat up on relatively weak Big 12 and, mm-hmm. and ACC opponents. Uh, Ohio State, too. Ohio State, of course. Yeah. Some years Big Ten's been very good lately. Some years yeah. it's been very, very bad. Yeah, some years it's been 2020. And yes. the, the second best team is, is Indiana, and the third best team is... Uh, Northwestern? Three and three, Wisconsin. Northwestern <laughs> team, Northwestern that, Northwestern team that can't score. It, it's uh, it's something to think about. An Iowa team that lost to those teams. Yeah, an Iowa team that has one of the worst <laughs> quarterbacks in America. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool conference to have to watch every week. That's right. Yeah. So look, our goal really at the end of the day, I would like to see BYU playing in the West Division, right? I want to yeah. see Cincinnati playing in the Midwest Division. Uh, I want to see Louisiana, uh, you know, taking Tennessee's lunch money. Yeah, <laughs> that's the unfortunate thing about these preseason rankings is that they the G five teams are not especially talented. Yeah, they're not. The recruiting is not really there to right. to help out with the the predictive kind of rankings. At the same time, though, uh, we don't want to have a G5 team playing this top level and kind of get caught in a bad year and just get yeah. slaughtered to the point that it affects our program so badly. So yeah. I'd like to see them uh, win and earn it and also have a year where Cincinnati's going to be the favorite in that league, right? Yes. Too, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, these teams are going to be really good, um, but also uh, have a chance to actually win a lot of games by not being forced to play Alabama. And, and suddenly you have, league. yeah, now suddenly you have a year or two buffer where you can sell in recruiting that you can jump up to the top level and so you can get your class up into the top 32 where you're a little bit more on par with the kind of the kind of talent at the top so that's my idea pretty much i don't think i have too much more to go over um if people are interested i guess in this you want to hit me up on twitter i am happy to post my entire 184 (laughs) team structure yeah um I can go through it. If you really want to know where Albany is ranked, uh, how Youngstown State stacks up against UMass. You're a uh, sicko. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to do that. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, So essentially the way that I I think about any of these ideas, and that one specifically, but mine as well, is that the the issue, as I see it in college football, is there aren't enough seats at the table, and the seats that are filled have been filled by the same teams for years. Um, Yes. 
And so these are these ideas are not necessarily. In fact, they're they're explicitly not changing who's sitting at the table. They're adding more seats, right? It's it's saying this, this is you know no longer can only ten teams truly compete for the national championship. There is, you know, and that'll still be like it's always very funny to me when athletic directors at these these big schools. I think Gene Smith did this a little, a little while ago. Talk about like. NIL rules and say, mm-hmm. well, this is going to make college football too unbalanced, right? I think that was a direct <laughs> Gene Smith quote, was, which is very funny. Yeah, was saying, you know, well, if if uh, if you know if people can pay these these recruit or these players to be in advertisements or whatever, then it's going to benefit the Alabamas and the Ohio States of the world. It's like, yep, for sure, it'll just make it more unbalanced, uh huh. Yeah. Um, and this is, I would imagine, would face similar criticism from a team like Ohio State that does not want Cincinnati to be in the same level as it, just right. generally speaking. Um, but I, I do think that it would add, it, it would make it so that rather than five or 10 teams can compete, I think that 32 teams would legitimately have a chance at this, right? And it's also so frustrating too, because the reason it couldn't be better is, is just because of like the financial structures of college football and how they anchor current systems. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, the fact that bowl games are, are controlled by a bunch of like corrupt former like car dealership owners, yeah. uh, who just want to have handshakes with Nick Saban. Uh, or, you know, or want to go hang out in Hawaii for a week to go watch a football game. Yeah. Um, the idea that uh, because Texas has the largest alumni base, they can throw their weight around in the Big 12 and make it so it's not uh, the most competitive conference, it's not the most fun or, yeah. or uh, best designed conference because uh, they can take their ball and go home. It's very unfortunate that the college football system is run by the uh, the the schools that have the most power. It's a good thing that nothing else in in American life is like that. Um, you <laughs> yeah, know, we're I just like those those at the top sort of get to decide whatever the rules are for everybody else. It's it's a good thing that that's, you know, exclusively a college right. football. And let's take a quick break for our sponsorship by Blackwater. Yeah, we're, we're, we're brought to you this week by Aetna. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's get on to the Exxon Champions League. Are you ready? So I, I had this idea back in December when I was at my peak sort of upset about the playoff online, right? Which is a fun thing that we like to do is just to get upset about the playoff. And, we love it. And then nothing happens and it's the same exact thing as it is every year. And then my anger was just for for no reason. Again, right? that is not like anything else in American life. There's no, no comparisons for that. No. Uh, just, just how it is. It is cool that entertainment and real life are just exactly the same, right? You're just sort of, it's like, oh, I get to be mad about the game instead of real life now. It's a cool way to substitute. It's great. Yeah, we love it. Um, but I had this idea, I think, briefly after um, probably Cincinnati was made like 13th or something behind a four-loss Florida team. Um, just sort of a, uh, a way to try and balance this out a little bit, make it so that more teams have an opportunity. The thing that I came to was a college football champions league. I don't think I'm the first to this idea, but it, it was something that was sort of rattling around in my brain. Um, we can give a little bit of background on what the champions league is. We're, yeah, we're sticking with the... Uh, the the European soccer model here. Um, the Champions League, for those of you who are not familiar, is a it, it's sort of a, an off season, you know, like uh, I guess league essentially. It's it's not entirely off season, but it's not league play for these teams, and it, it's comprised of the European League champions. You know, right. The, so the, the best the best teams in Europe yes. play in this league in addition to their regular conference. Play. Yeah. It's it's essentially it's um you know it's it's the way that you can get the the top teams from each top league into one 
you know, sort of super conference and then determine the champion of Europe, right? Um, so you'll have your, I don't know who the best teams in the Premier League are. You'll have your Liverpool and you'll have your, um, you know, Let's go Hotspur. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're in it recently, as far as I know. But uh, I, I don't follow much soccer. But I, yeah. I think like three of my friends are Hotspur fans. Yeah, so. we're, we're going to say that Liverpool and Aston Villa are in the uh, <laughs> the Champions League uh, for the Premier League, and then they'll go up against you know the top teams from the Bundesliga. So probably Bayern Munich and. Um, the other one who's Dortmund. Na- Dortmund, that's right. Um, you know, and they'll go up against the top teams from from Spain, from all these different countries, right? The top top teams from the top leagues, and so essentially the idea is, like I said, who's the best team in Europe? And like with the promotion and relegation, I think that college football lends itself pretty well to this kind of system because there are already built in, you know, conferences. There are sort of these these individual leagues, like there are in European soccer, where. You know, think of the think of the Big Ten as like the Premier League. Think of the SEC as you know, the uh, the Bundesliga. Things like that, right? It's it's there's a there's a parallel here that I think makes sense. And so, I, my idea was a a twenty team Champions League comprised of the two best teams in each of the ten conferences. And so, you have this sort of it, it, and. The idea is that these top two teams then go off to this super 20-team conference, and that replaces their conference play for the next season. So we'll say, in, in my example here, I'll start with the Big Ten. I have Ohio State and Wisconsin as Ohio, as the Big Ten's representatives, right? Ohio State and Wisconsin then don't play in Big Ten play the next season. They play in the Champions League. Right. So they play against Baylor and Oklahoma from the Big 12, Clemson and Virginia from the ACC, Cincinnati and Memphis from the AAC, down to... You know, Boise State, Hawaii from the Mountain West, Miami and Central Michigan from the Mac, so on and so forth. And so this creates a couple things. Firstly, it creates a more competitive conference system for these teams who obviously need a bigger challenge, especially at the top. You know, Mm -hmm. like we've talked about, Clemson and Ohio State and Oklahoma are playing teams that are not on their level. I mean, they have, what, two conference games a year maybe that are competitive? If if we're lucky, yeah. Yeah, if you're lucky in, in Clemson's case maybe one. In Ohio State's case, maybe one. Oklahoma's not quite on that level, I don't think. Right. I mean, well, obviously Clemson has to fear the rising dynasty of Phil Dracovic for the mm-hmm. next uh, few years here, but yeah. I, I get what you're saying on a larger scale. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't think it will, if I'm being honest about, <laughs> if I'm being very honest about Jeff Halfley and where I think he might be headed soon. Um, but uh, Topic for another day, right? Topic for another day. Um, topic maybe for next offseason, but... <laughs> Um, so you this this creates sort of like the Premier League idea. It creates a schedule where you have to play good teams, and I don't think that 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 it could be a full eight or nine game conference schedule because that's just that's too much. These teams are really good, and mm-hmm. you you can't really play a good team nine times in a season, nine weeks in a row because um, your players will die. That's <laughs> you know that's like I'm only half joking here. You can't play nine playoff caliber teams in a row and expect your players to not be injured or severely damaged by that. Can we get the uh, Ivan Drago uh, quote in here? Can we edit that in? He does. He does. So the way that I have painted this out of it is essentially is that these teams, rather than playing the full 12-game season, would play a 10-game season, um, and it would be spread out. Play starts on August 15th for, I, I guess this would be for 2020, I think, if, I, if memory serves. It's a Saturday. It does. Um, it does. For half of the league, for the 10 teams that are, that are playing on the first weekend, and then August 22nd for the other half of the league. So games are always on. There's never off weekends. It's just that 10 teams play each weekend. Mm-hmm. And then the schedule is staggered. 
you you play week one, you don't play week two, you play week three, so on and so forth. You play every other weekend so that you have time to recover. Um, and then I'm trying to remember, I'm looking through my own article here to try and remember how many conference games I uh, proposed here. I don't know. I think it was three if I remember correctly, but I could be wrong on that. Um, I'm struggling to find the number. I, I, I do the thing where I spell out numbers. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I, okay, it looks like I have it as, yeah, okay, eight Champions League games. You play eight, and then you have two non-conference games against any team that you want. It can be an FCS team, it can be a rival, whatever, I don't care. Um, you know, if you don't want to play against another good team, then schedule two FCS teams, who care? You're playing eight ranked teams, you're fine. Right. Um, and so, essentially, what you get is you get high-level competition for these teams that need high-level competition. They get extra time to recover in between games. You know, you're you're taking a week in between to both prepare for a high-level opponent. Let's say Ohio State has to play Alabama week one, and then you know Oregon week three. That's difficult. That's a hard thing to do. That's not something that these teams are really built to do. It's a gauntlet. Yeah, and so you have to you have to have that extra time to both recover and to to scout ahead and to to plan out a game plan and I think that this creates both better football in sheer quality and also better coaching better prepared teams teams that are more like um, you know not necessarily like the NFL which also has a week but teams that have more fleshed out game plans specific to their upcoming opponent um, which you would need which these top teams don't do right now you know Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Ohio State and Oklahoma have one game plan fits all until they get to the playoff that's that's how you do things. Why, right. why wouldn't you do it like that? And what does that say about the parity of the sport that, you know, Ohio State or Alabama or these, uh, the programs we're always referencing here can just run their base so as not to give anything away or just, yeah. like, put constraint plays on film for fun? Yeah, here's our 12 uh, plays. Yeah. yeah. And, and just to toy with other teams because there's nothing they can do to stop it. There's no possible world where some Indiana defensive end can get, a, get ahead on Thayer Munford. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. It just never exists. Yeah, you you don't have to. If you're one of these top teams, you don't have to game plan. Yeah. You can look, just... Look at the blocking schemes that Alabama ran all the way into the playoff. Yeah. I mean, just like the time it took for some of those routes to develop is mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah, and it's this This is what's been happening for years. Oklahoma's been doing this since Lincoln Riley arrived, where it's just obscene. You know, these are plays that you shouldn't be able to run in football. Like, that's that's been the joke with Oklahoma specifically, is that Lincoln Riley is running plays that you draw up when you're a kid, and you don't understand how blocking works, right? It's, you know, this is a double flea flicker with a post 50 yards down the field. <laughs> As a quick aside, did you see that interview with Cam Newton this week where he talked about Percy Harvin? I did not. Uh, so in Cam Newton's, this is just a you know a little add into this, but in Cam Newton's one season at, at uh, Florida under Urban Meyer before being thrown out for uh, stealing a laptop from a mm-hmm. teammate, uh, he said there was a play on the sideline where when Dan Mullen was offensive coordinator, uh, Urban came over the headset and told Dan that he had to get the effing ball uh, in Percy Harvin's hands more is, is the phrase that Cam used. Yeah. Uh, and so on the sideline, Dan Mullen drew up a play where uh, Percy Harvin came in as a wildcat to take the snap and basically just ran a little counter play. Yeah. And he took it 65 yards for a touchdown yeah. uh, in a play they drew up on the sideline because they were that much better. <laughs> oh, man. Percy Harvin rocked. What so a, fun. But that's the idea. That's what we're talking yeah. about. These teams are so talented. They have guys that can just do that because their opponents are have no chance to ever begin. Yeah, the big secret about these teams is if they lose for any reason to a team that doesn't have the, the quality of players than they do, they have fucked up in an extremely severe way. Big time. If you lose by 30 points to Purdue, it means that something went really wrong with the guys that you hired, right? Like, that is that is essentially the way that this works. If you lose, I could not agree more. If you lose to Ole Miss, it means that something bad happened, right? Like, you made a severe, severe misstep somewhere along 
on the line in either deployment of the talent, recruitment of the talent, or recruitment of your staff. Um, and so this essentially takes that away. It says even in a in a relatively down week, um, Oklahoma is playing UAB. That would be one of the easier games on its schedule. UAB is a damn good football team. Yeah, that's you, a hell of a team. That line is... Sean Clark is the coach on that, right? That has the, No, Sean Clark was at Georgia State. It would be... Uh, um, shoot. Is it Bill Clark? Yeah, that's right. Bill yeah, Clark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Really good coach. Really, really good coach. Managed to, uh, <laughs> managed to do the thing where you recruit a bunch of transfers and then still build your program and, and get back to recruiting four-year guys, he which brought is them hard to do. A dead program yes. to winning the conference in, what, three years? Yeah, and he's recruiting actual high schoolers now instead of just bringing in transfers every year, which is a transition that pretty much no one can make. Um, really, really, really good coach. Should have gotten a bigger job by now. Um but it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. But um, the you know even in a week like that where you're playing a team relative to your own quality that isn't quite on that level, you have to play the UAB running attack. You know, you're you're the Oklahoma defensive line. You're looking at these guys on film. You're like, well, shit. This is our down week. <laughs> these guys are crazy. You know, the, these these dudes are are grinding defensive lines into dust, and we have to play these guys as our easy game. And so, the level of competition just generally is is rising at the top level, right? Um, Definitely. I have it here as, as postseason play. I can explain as well. Um, postseason play in the Champions League consists of two playoffs. The first is for the national title. The second is for the chance to remain in the Champions League for the next season. Um, the first playoff includes teams not number one through nine on the final standings. The 8-9 matchup is played as a wild card after the end of the regular season. Then you get one winner of the 8-9, 2-7, 3-6, right? It's, a, it's an 18 playoff, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um First round games are on the home campus of the higher seed. Second Love round, that. whatever you know, it, it just I want the first round for sure on home campuses. Yeah, you, I didn't mention that for mine as well. But it, it, all playoff systems should feature home games. It's what makes college there should football be an awesome. advantage. If you're a higher seed, you should get an advantage. Yes, let's you, stop like, going to the the fucking Cotton Bowl to yeah. watch Memphis play Penn State uh, because you know uh, some rich guy said we have to. Yeah, let's play fun games where college students for a college team are in a college atmosphere in a home game. Yeah. Let's make these teams like let's make Florida go play in Wisconsin in in you know December. Make the differences of the regular season matter, right? Mm-hmm. If you I agree. if you are the one seed playing the eight seed, you have earned that spot somehow, right? I feel very strongly about this. So you should get a home field advantage for oh, at yeah. least the first round. It, you know the you can make the eight nine game in a neutral site because it's so even, but then one eight two seven three six four five has to be at the home team's field. You've you've earned that right. I'm with you. Um. So then. After that, you play second round and then the title game, right? That team is the national champion of college football. It is the Champions League champion. Um, All of those nine teams that are in that playoff remain in the Champions League for the next season. They don't go back to their old conference. They stay up. And so if you have two Big Ten teams in there, if you have two SEC teams in there, there's not a slot for the SEC that year. The SEC, it keeps its two teams in the Champions League. Whoever wins the SEC you know, sorry, you're shit out of luck, right? Win again next year and see if there's a spot. Yeah. Fuck off, Lane yeah. It it you know, there's not really a better way to do it. If you're in the top nine, then you probably deserve to stay in the Champions League because you're one of the nine best teams in college That's football. It's a safe assumption. Um so then the the second the second playoff, um, the tenth and final returning spot is up for grabs, right? That's what the second playoff is for. You have those nine teams that are in, and so you have same setup. Seventeen plays eighteen in the play in game. 10 versus 17 slash 18, 11 versus 16, 12 versus 15, 13 versus 14, home campuses, same exact thing, right? Mm -hmm. 
So if you're the number 10 team, you didn't have a great year, but you're still 10th in the hardest division in football, and you deserve that advantage. You should have your home campus, you know, you should get that chance, and then whoever wins that playoff, same setup, gets to stay in the Champions League. You you can stay up. And so you have 10 teams staying up, numbers 11 through 20. I don't care about the order, just anybody that doesn't win that second playoff. The bottom two teams are automatically relegated as well because you stink. Sorry. Yep. Um, Bye, bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Number 11 through 20 are relegated back to their original conference. They go back to wherever they came from, and then whatever conference they're from has that many spots for however many teams are returning. So, you know, to uh, to use the same example as before, we say two Big Ten teams somehow drop, right? There's two spots in the Big Ten. So Big Ten winner, Big Ten runner-up move up to the Champions League for the next season. So you get that constant sort of flow. And, and I think early on, you would have a lot of G5 conferences sending two teams down, right? I'm a G5 supremacist, but I'm not afraid to say you're probably going to see the Sun Belt send two teams down. Won't it be incredible when you see Jim Harbaugh still finish third behind uh, like James Franklin and Tom Allen? This, in man, scenario? Is, this man is in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but the the idea here, and the reason that I'm not, as the G5 guy here, that I'm not concerned about G5 turnover, is that these conferences are going to get better through this system, right? If you can, if you are in the Sun Belt and you're, we'll say, Arkansas State, and in the first year, who did I have up? Um, Appalachian State and Louisiana. We say you're Arkansas State. We say you're Coastal Carolina, whatever. You can, during that first year, go out on the recruiting path and you can say, Appalachian State is three and four right now. They're going to get sent down. There's there's room here for a Sunbelt team to move up and compete for a national title, right? Straight up, if you win all your games, you win the national title, right? There's no... There's no ranking. There's no committee. There's nothing objective. There's nothing subjective here. Win your games, you win the championship. And by the way, it would also stop the transfer portal rating of G5 teams mm-hmm. to P5 teams. That could work in reverse. Yeah. Instead of you know Alabama taking uh, I don't know Liberty's quarterback for a year if they're down in recruiting and they just need a, an instant starter who's yeah. be an NFL guy. How about the reverse? How about Liberty go heads and grabs you know Kyle McCord from Ohio State yes. where CJ Stroud yeah. gets the job? How about? Uh, Whatever Oklahoma five star sitting on the bench decides, you know what? I'd actually rather play for a title right now. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hey, are you the quarterback at you know um, Purdue? And you look at your team in spring practice. You see the first spring practice, and you're like, these guys suck. I'm gonna go play for the team that's you know from the Sun Belt in the Champions League. They need a quarterback. I'm a quarterback. I don't want to play for this bad team. I'm gonna go <laughs> compete for a championship. And so. It can certainly go both ways, but it, it would go both ways for the first time. It doesn't yes. go that way now. The G5 teams do not get good P5 players. Absolutely. If you're getting a P5 player, he did something wrong, right? Yeah. That's that's the system. Yeah. Um, and so it would it would create that. It would also, like I was saying with the recruiting, if you're if you're in the MAC now, you can win a championship. There's no, you know, there there's nothing stopping you. If you win all your games two years straight, you've won the championship. That's that's a pitch that they can't make right now. UCF did that and didn't get shit for it. You know, UCF won 25 games in a row, and its reward and who was cared? yeah, and its reward was that everyone made fun of them for three years. Um, that's no longer the case. If you have a really good coach who goes out and either hits the recruiting trail or has a a good scheme, whatever it might be, you can win. And that's that's a pitch. And you add on to this. This is just a secondary thing. You add on to this NIL rights, right? You add on to this the fact that 
there are really passionate college towns in these lower level leagues. Like I've been to, I, I constantly talk about Boone, North Carolina, um, where Appalachian State is. Those people there. I just want to say here, don't take my Appalachian corner. That's uh, that's my spot here, <laughs> and uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna stand for that. I am the Appalachian on the podcast. Continue. Okay, so. <laughs> Just, just stay on your toes here. Yeah, so you're a four-star wide receiver who grew up in North Carolina, and Champions League exists, NIL rights exist. You take a trip out to Boone, right? You you want to you want to see what's going on in Appalachian State because they're in the Champions League, so they're one of the 20 best programs, and North Carolina isn't, right? You you are looking at Appalachian State. You go there. You go out to you know a bar in town. You go out to a restaurant in town. You go get breakfast the next day in town. There are Appalachian State signs in every fucking building in that city. Mm-hmm. Everybody there goes to the games. And so not only are you going to compete for, for a team that could win a championship, there are so many goddamn businesses there that will pay you money to advertise their thing. The raccoon trap industry is going to fund your college <laughs> career. Uh, you're going to pull down $80,000 a year you know, doing uh, advertisements for... Uh, some winery run by a guy who left Brooklyn two years ago. Yeah, exactly. And so, <laughs> you know, you, you're you're a five-star quarterback from Tennessee. Are you going to go play for shitty-ass Tennessee? Nope. Are you going to go play in a town that really, really likes football yep. and will give you a five-star quarterback kind of money, right? And they're like, well, shit, this dude was 12th in the nation. I'll take the bag. Yeah, you're going to take the bag. Why would you not take the bag? Take the bag. And so suddenly these schools can compete not just on the field where they can literally compete for a championship they have just as much of a pitch in recruiting as anybody else does you know th- these are you're competing for a championship so no longer do the p5 teams have that advantage right and if it's, there's if there's nil rights <laughs> you're, you're getting paid just like everybody else is and it's not a panacea you know it won't it won't mean that ucf gets the number one class in america no. uh but it does mean that you know because of course programs like alabama can still point to their nfl track record of yeah. development that doesn't mean they're going to get every single top player, every single position yes. across the country. This, this essentially, this doesn't change who's at the top. It changes who's in the 15 to 30 range. And if you're 15 to 30, you have a chance to get to the top. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're, if you're a G5 to- team that's in the 15 to 30, you have a really good coaching staff, mm-hmm. right? If you're Cincinnati pulling down the 15th best recruiting class, you can win a national championship. And all of a sudden, too, that pay raise you're going to get from one year of Champions League right mm-hmm. deals is going to pay you a oh, substantial amount to keep your coach. Yeah, think about this. Five games a week of the highest quality football for, what, four months, right? From August to, to late December. If I recall correctly, the contract for just the SEC game of the week just went for $300 million. Yeah. Um, Imagine what that goes to when it's a Champions League, when it's not, you know, it's it's not yeah. going to be, you know, Tennessee versus Georgia as the game of the week. It's going to be Alabama, Oklahoma. It's going to be, you know, uh, the and you have ranked five of these a week. Yes, right, every single week. Right now, I, I think as a total, the AAC gets seven million dollars per school on TV rights. If I remember yeah. correctly, that sounds um, right. Imagine what that's going to go to with the Champions League inclusion. Imagine what Cincinnati or Memphis would get for a single year, a single yeah. year of Champions League. You're going to get five times your annual TV revenue 
for one season, at, like on the low end. Yeah, and you know, obviously there would be issues with this because um, I'll tell you right now, Fox wouldn't be pleased about losing Ohio State, right? You'd have right sharing. You'd yeah, have you can you can this. probably do revenue sharing. Um, you you can probably figure out a way to even like you said, right sharing, where the teams that have an affiliation with these with these uh you know these TV networks from their conference remain with those leagues. Those you just pay a premium. Yeah, yeah, those those networks just if you want to keep these guys, you got to pay more money, right? Because everybody's going to watch these fucking games, right? Like like soccer fans do with the Champions League. Right. Soccer fans love the Champions League. They watch it like crazy. And let's see what it looks like whenever uh, not just Fox and ESPN are bidding for these, but uh, Amazon and Apple yeah. and, and all these companies. Decide. NBC. Yes. CBS is trying to get in on this, right. right? I think it's CBS that has the Champions League right now. You have an open bidding war from every single network and every single streaming service in America trying yeah. to get these rights. Yeah, I, I will tell you right now, ESPN would pay top dollar for this. This is the kind of thing that ESPN eats up, right? Yeah. Where you could have... If you've got five games a week, you could have theoretically Friday night game, you know, Thursday night game, Friday night game, and then each slot on Saturday. You could have 12, 3.30 primetime. That's five games that everyone will get the chance to watch. That's five games that everyone will watch. Yes. And and so, you know, even that Thursday night game, right, it might not be the best game of the week. It'd probably be the worst game of the week, that or the Friday night game. It's still a top 25 matchup that people will watch, right? Like that's... If it's on, people don't watch the Thursday night games right now because they stink. Well, it's, also the NFL's on, so that's why it probably yeah, goes that, Wednesday, right? We have a matching schedule. Sure, sure. Yeah. It, it it doesn't it doesn't have to be anything, you know. It, it, it there's no there's no specific boundaries here, but you can have five prime slots where you are the big dog, right? You are the game that people are watching because you know you're getting more fan bases involved. You are hitting every part of the country with this. You have two representatives from every single league. There's a reason for every you know for every part of the, the college football landscape to watch this because they have a team in it. You know, right. They, they have, there's a connection here for everybody. It gives you a chance to end the hyper-regionalization we've seen in recent years of college mm-hmm. football. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't just have to be uh, the upper Midwest and the deep Southeast in Texas anymore that cares about college football. We can go back to a truly national sport yeah. if this works as, as it could work. Yeah, and I, I think that, that that brings me to another another part of this that I that I really like as sort of a... I guess as much of a college football purist as I could be, having only seen shitty sort of um, marketized, um, you know, like national college football in the way that it is now, where mm-hmm. everything is very, very corporate. Um, I, I'm still sort of I yearn for the days of college football that I didn't see, <laughs> right? The 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 80s of the sport and the 70s of the sport, whatever it might be, where the, the Golden Panthers, of yeah, the- where the Rose Bowl matters and things like that. This this makes it a national sport in the sense that you have 20 teams competing for a championship from all over the country. It also makes it so that conference championships are really important. Really, really, really important. Again, yes. which they're not right now. The, the Pac-12 championship most years, no one gives a shit because it's number 12 against number 25. Who cares? Freaks like us watch, but, yeah. but most of the country I think we I think less. we did specifically watch the Pac-12 championship game together. I think it was Oregon-USC, right? Yeah. I shit, I, I, uh, <laughs> we I watched sh- the Oregon defensive line just go at the Yeah, yeah, came on Thibodeau, and I, I shit-talked Keaton Slovis, who you love for the entire game. <laughs> Look, Keaton Slovis, I have a, a financial investment in Keaton Slovis. Yeah. He is on my uh, developmental league team. And Clay, Hel- and Clay Helton thanks you for your investment. <laughs> 
I still believe in Keaton's love. Let's not let's not get bogged down in me. You know, yeah. let's talk about we. Okay, um, <laughs> but this this makes conference championship games really important. Right. In, unless it's a rare year where you you know your conference doesn't send any teams down and, and it doesn't matter as much. But you don't know that until the end of the season, right? You you don't have that for sure. And so let's say in this in this instance, Indiana would get left behind in the Big Ten. Michigan, like you mentioned, gets left behind. Penn State, not Wisconsin, but Iowa, Northwestern. Those teams now have a very good reason to try to win the Big Ten championship game. Hell yeah. You, you know, if you win, you can move up. You can compete for a championship. And that's true of every single conference. And the conferences are more competitive. It's not as top heavy now. The two best teams are gone. So you can, there are, there's room for new teams to, to come into their own. Right. Like we talked about last week, some of these programs that consistently have their coaches poached mm-hmm. by Power Five programs, that may not happen anymore, right? No. You, you may not have, you know, just a, uh, uh, Vanderbilt or wherever else acting as like a farm for a uh, higher level programs I'll, I'll go back, higher coaches. I'll go back to the Appalachian State Tennessee comparison again. Sure. Are you do you have a better chance at making the Champions League at Tennessee where you're going to compete presumably with Alabama and Florida and Georgia and Auburn and LSU or do you want to be big dog in the Sun Belt and go to the exact same place? Some of these coaches will end up making the same calculations for their career sake mm-hmm. that we talked about with quarterbacks making to go to be an instant starter at, yeah. at a Champions League team. That, yeah. that same calculation will happen we're, elsewhere. We're, we're creating more Frank Soliches, right? There's, that's that's sort of what this. Well, does. except like good. Eh, okay, we All argued right. about this oh, last week. All we right, all right, pal. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, but this this does so much for the balancing of the sport because it makes everything. It makes it so that anybody can compete, right? Obviously, the FCS teams are left out, which I don't have a great solution for, but they have their own championship, I guess. They're fine down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're doing their thing. Yeah, but, um, but this makes it so that these G5s have just as much a claim to being the top dogs as the P5 does. Obviously, the P5 has the money, it has the history, so it won't be immediately put out on the street. But this, you know, now if you're, it, it sort of has the same effect as the Premier League does, where if you're not pulling your weight, you don't get to compete in the way that you would probably like to, right? right. That money's going to fall off a little bit if you're Kansas and you keep hiring less fucking miles in 2018, like an insane person would do. Um, you have you have to actually hire good coaches. You have to get creative with it if you want to be in on the 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 biggest you know sort of the the, the big nest egg of college football. If you want to compete for a title, you have to hire well. You have to invest in facilities and. G5 teams will be able to do that and they'll actually have a reason to do it now. Right. Um, so I think we talked at length about kind of the pros of this, kind of what's going well about it, wh- how it would help create parity and how it would create uh, new power programs. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about the cons really quickly, just kind of some of the drawbacks here. Sure. Because um, the first thing that pops to my mind for our systems, both of which I love and I'm really excited about, um, I do think that the fact that college football specifically has 25% at minimum roster turnover every single offseason and it operates on a lag for, for this. sure. So it's the next seasons when teams move up or move down um, is a difficult system. But there I, would be some bad teams. Yeah, for yeah, sure. You, you might have like a really shitty uh, Buffalo team that just lost uh, their running back. Um, Jared Patterson. Patterson. Yeah. Yeah. They just lost Jared Patterson. I, I will say Kevin Marks gang for sure. Oh, Kevin Marks is great. Yeah. We, uh, that, that is a, a very, a very fun player. Here, I, ha- I have an example. I have an example here. Yeah, that please. fits this pretty well. So I, I pulled my champions league, my 2020 champions league from the 2019 champions as, okay. it, as it would be. So in this list, you have Virginia is included Baylor, FAU, Miami of Ohio, central Michigan, Hawaii, um, 
none of those teams were good in 2020, right? They were, some of them were really bad. You would have some stinkers. That's just the nature of the sport, right? You would also have some teams that got really, really good, like Cincinnati, who improved in 2020. Like, um, you know, who else on here? UAB was really good in 2020. Boise State was pretty good in 2020. Oregon, Utah, Georgia, LSU did not get better. But Appalachian State, Louisiana is a big one, right? There are teams that will maintain that level of quality so you're not it's not like you're going to have 15 bad teams yeah. right I, I think you would see something, it's a fair concern though for yes. sure i think you would see something um almost like wave effect where a team has a really good senior class right mm-hmm. um, makes the champions league is a little bit depleted loses most of their games and goes down but because of their year up in the champions league and the financial boost they got from it and profile boost yep. they sign a great recruiting class and two years later, they're back again. Here's another and, Jarrett Patterson. Right. Yeah. And then maybe you have one more great recruiting class. You step down for a year, but then all of a sudden you put two or three great recruiting classes together in four or five years, and now you can actually sustain that. Now you have a chance to be the best team in the MAC or in the Sun Belt every single year yeah. and become the dominant team in that situation. Yeah, and, and here is also a massive, massive amount of money for that one year up Huge that money. you can give to Lance Leopold. I mean, we can't even, I, I can't even express what the difference is like from team to team here. I mean, like if you were in the MAC, you might get $2 million for TV rights, if that. Yeah. That's in the very high end. It's embarrassing. Low. Yes. Yeah. You were going to go from getting $2 million in a season to getting 35 or $40 million from one season of play. Mm-hmm. That permanently changes the landscape of not just your football program, but your entire athletic department and, like, in some ways, your university. Yeah. Like, that is a huge deal to these schools. Yeah. I mean, think about, like, Louisiana, right? This is not a rich school. This is not a school that has a ton of money. The Sun Belt, there's not much money there. Central Michigan is 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 in my league here. Miami of Ohio is in my league here. Some of these schools operate a loss. Yeah, like they're at large these teams. A loss. These teams would really, really like to have this money, right? And that's that is like you said, that's world changing. That's you know, pay all of my assistants a lot more money, kind of kind of cash right there. That is, you know. We want to keep, if you're Kent State, we want to keep Sean Lewis around. We're going to give him a raise, and we're going to give him a much, much bigger assistant pool. And we don't have to have a Sarah McLaughlin commercial to raise money for yeah. him to do that. We don't have to, you know, invite, uh, you know, we, we, don't, we don't have to invite ourselves, open ourselves up to go to Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan for our three non-conference games. We have money now, right? Mm-hmm. We have fuck you money. We can win football games. Yeah. Like, you, you can just, it, it, it changes... And it changes everything for these conferences too. That's suddenly there's a path forward. There's a path to make this money where if you win enough, you're gonna get paid, right? You are going to you're going to qualify for the Champions League. You have something to play for. Right. And and that doesn't exist now, at least not for a lot of these schools who are just the best example I can that I can give here is the same one that we mention every single time we talk about a bad team. ULM would not hire Terry fucking Bowden under this God, system. I hate Terry Bowden so much, man. <laughs> but if you have the chance, if ULM sees those big old dollar signs, it's not hiring Terry Bowden. It'll go hire an HBCU coach or an FCS coach or someone who it actually thinks can win football games. Like straight yeah, up. That yeah. is no longer are you going to see these shitty hires, these place, you know, these placeholder hires because there's no reason to. Why would you? There's no reason to not want to win games right now because you make a lot more money if you do. Yeah, I, I think like we talked about with the, especially the programs at the P5 level are the most insulting to me. Your Kansas, your Illinois, your Purdue that just really, I mean, Purdue has changed that with the money they, they yeah. threw at Jeff Brom. But, you know, a lot of the, that hasn't gone well, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. but they should still keep doing it. We got to have uh, a Jeff Brom conversation yeah, at some point. <laughs> which does make me nervous because that has like kind of started to blow up on their face a little bit. Yeah. But the idea they had is correct. They yeah. sh- if they think they have top coaching talent. 
they should pay to keep it. Yeah. And, and those programs, a lot of these just recycle bad coaches or just have uninspired, boring hires um, who don't want to go out and get good coaches or who can't keep good coaches. Um, let's put a stop to that, man. Please, let's get let, let's have more coaches who are Kirk Ferentz to run a program for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that is something that's really good for college football. I think it's really fun, and it creates really unique programs with uh, identities and cultures that you can come to expect year in year out. That's what we love about college football. Yeah, man. This uh, And it introduces a lot more people, like we mentioned with the national thing, this introduces a lot more people to really cool programs that they wouldn't previously see, yep. right? There are 10 teams in the Champions League every single year who a lot of Ohio State fans or Alabama fans or... Tennessee fans, Texas fans, whatever it might be. Hell, I have friends that groan if I put on an NC State game on commercials. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to watch this? Yeah, and so suddenly this is, you know, people aren't going to make fun of UCF anymore because they're going to watch them beat their fucking team in the Champions League, right? Wouldn't we love that? That'd be great. It would be amazing. These these upsets would be so much more intriguing because they could actually fucking happen, right? Imagine that Devin Singletary Lane Kiffin team just yeah. putting up 600 yards on, uh, you know, on LSU. On, on, on Greg Schiano in right. 2018. <laughs> right. It'd be a blast. It would be so much fun to watch, and people would get introduced to these new teams and these new cultures. And, you know, the fans at Boise State are really passionate. The fans at Cincinnati, at Memphis, wherever it might be, these guys care about their teams. These teams care about football. Like, yeah. there was, I watched a couple of days ago, I don't know if you remember this game, 2018 UCF Cincinnati. It was on game day. Um, it was a primetime game. This was after UCF had won like 20-some games in a row. And sure. game day finally gives in, goes to UCF. And first like five plays of the game are Cincinnati false starts because the crowd is losing its mind, right? I love that. It's really cool. It's really, really and fun And by the way, I know a lot of college football is about environment and what we see there. Um, some of these G5 stadiums are really awesome. I don't, I don't yeah. know if you ever watched a game in Nippert, Cincinnati. App, App State's a great stadium. Yeah. Nippert, Nippert's a great stadium. I love watching games in Nippert. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is one of my favorite places I've seen see, uh, seen a football game at. Yeah, it, it's just, um, you know, like I went to see a couple years ago Georgia Southern play at Appalachian State. Great rivalry. Nobody knows that it's a rivalry. Nobody knows. These teams fucking hate each other, right? And people the, just don't care outside the, of the, this the was, sickos like us. It was 15 degrees, like sort of it was essentially hail terrible win just a miserable game to be at it was it was packed it was completely packed right that's awesome and and it's like you know late october i think it was halloween it's like a thursday night just packed out it's completely full loud the entire time and i don't blame people who who root for follow power 5 teams for not being aware of this stuff because it's not ever advertised to them in any way espn doesn't talk about these teams right these these teams don't get the big the big network games and suddenly they you know they get it every single week you know you you have five of these teams as a part of these games every single week and you're being introduced to all of these great things about college football that just don't ever get any sort of attention outside of the freaks like us, right? I'm with you. It's it's just it's it's such a natural fit for this sport that should it, it the best like you said the strength of this sport is its cultures. It's it's the you know, it's all the different schemes, it's all the different environments, it's all the different stadiums, the ways that these fans treat their teams. It's uh, that's the strength of the sport, and it doesn't lean into it at all. There are four teams that people know about right now every single year, and this would this would provide so much more attention to so many more teams that are doing interesting things. And it, it 
you know, you can win a championship with a triple option team in this yeah. system. You can win a championship doing whatever weird shit you want to do. There, no longer are you going to be held out by the way that you look, right? There's not a committee that's going to say, well, you don't run a, a, a regular offense. You don't get to be in, right? If you win all your games, you're the champion. Yeah, right? no like, one can stop you. Yeah, yeah. fucking run. Take the, the money and keep running. Yeah, yeah. I don't, like, you know, Navy running the option with a bunch of four-star athletes. I don't care, right? Sure. Like, I'm not going to stop you. Go ahead. Well, to me, this sounds like a lot of fun. I love the idea you went through. Um, I hopefully we've inspired a lot of people listening to this to go home on the NCAA I'm, 14 and create their own conferences now. I'm amped up just thinking about this it. This is fun. It, it it sucks that it's not real. <laughs> um, do you have any final thoughts you want to go through or anything else you're thinking about? Mm, no, not really. I think I've repeated myself enough. I think me too, man. Yeah. I, I, I Again, I'm jazzed up about this. I love this idea. Um, I know we'll probably never see this happen, but yeah. uh, hey, in, a, in about a year and a half, we can do this on ourselves in a college football video game. That's that's right. Yeah, that's the dream. that'll do it for us here this one flew by um thank you all so much for listening to flipping the field uh for checking us out this is the college football podcast about all of college football uh if you couldn't tell from the last hour or so uh (laughs) if you enjoy the show please be sure to leave a five-star review on apple podcasts and tell your friends that there's a new college football podcast on the college football streets and it loves g5 football it loves the champions league it loves pit football apparently and it really loves what is it mark whipple is that that's his name? right that's okay right. we love the quirks college football man and yeah. uh, I, I know pat said it there uh seriously guys please tell your friends that if mm-hmm. you like this if you're enjoying this you have fun listening to it um the only way we grow is by word of mouth um i know you guys all have i'm sure the same weirdo college football group chats that we do yeah uh that just talk about you know uh insane little plays every single week or or, you know, Oklahoma's placeholder getting his ass beat in a college bathroom on a, on a piss-covered floor. Um, you know, tell your group chats. Tell your buddies. Oh, man. Um, leave a review. And uh, I, I think we're going to touch on this here. But uh, we're going to have a mailbag episode coming in in a few weeks here. Yep. Uh, and if you want to ask us questions, you want to have your thoughts kind of heard in the podcast, uh, leave a five-star review on Apple with your question for us. And we'll get it on the air for you. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to Apple Podcasts, we're sitting at nine reviews right now, which is great. We've got nine five-star Thank reviews. You. I think a couple people have written out their their actual reviews as well, including yourself, I believe. Um, uh, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see. Must but, have been a different ride, um, Which is extremely kind. We, we really do. The, uh, the support for the show in the first two episodes has been really, really cool. I, I think yeah, that thank you guys, it's, it's very nice to see that, that there's a, you know, as we sort of hope, there's a niche for this. There are people who have the same college football brains as us, and it's, it's very fun to sort of connect with that community and a good way to do that is is through leaving your your five-star review and leaving a question it helps us out because it spreads the podcast if we get enough five-star reviews we end up on the charts right that's a big that's a big thing for podcasts that's that's a way for more people to discover this and if you leave your question in that five-star review we'll talk about it you know we'll, we'll if you have something that's sort of bouncing around your head in college football and you want two guys who are kind of experts i guess yeah right two guys who watch too much college football to talk about it we'll do it like that's that's a blast for us that's we really like to connect with people who have the same sort of um ticks with college football as yeah. uh, as we do this is how you help us sell out yeah exactly yeah if you really want us to be sponsored by you know Anthem, the ringer yeah, yeah. If, you wanna, if you want me to sell this podcast <laughs> to bill simmons uh you know we can do that we can make oh, that happen man. yeah uh, anything is possible joe rogan could be in this podcast yeah day. welcome to flipping the field featuring ryan russillo <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god ryan where can people find you 
Um, I am on Twitter at B1G underscore Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't post there too much anymore, just about 15 times a day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I like to talk about college football, and I like to uh, make fun of uh, bad coaches. And uh, again, post videos of Oklahoma placeholders getting punched in the face. Respect. Uh, respect to, respect to that bathroom. dude. Yeah, respect to that dude for picking a fight with what appeared to be a five foot six man and just dying. We love that. Yeah, really cool. Um, I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. My writing is at the Outside Zone Newsletter on Substack, available three times a week for just $5 a month. Um, I just wrote about Louisiana Tech, which I think is going to have an an up season 2021 after kind of a weird 2020 year. So if for whatever reason you're a Louisiana Tech fan listening to this podcast, you should go check this out. Or if you just have some interest in Louisiana Tech, I love Skip you. Uh, <laughs> 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 we love the idea of Skip Holtz. Um, Ryan, do we have anything else? Um, no, I just want to make sure people know that my schedule is going to be a little bit impacted by my role as a defense lawyer for Exxon and the Exxon Valdez scandal. Uh, we have some <laughs> legislation getting cleared up on that. I should get that fixed up soon, though. Uh, my mm-hmm. check's in the way, so hopefully we'll get that cleared up. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think that'll do it. I'll talk to you next week, man. See you.